What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese-American chicken tender just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponco is great and Ponco is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also. If you have not already, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Alex Regla, you, you may have read him at Bleacher Report, B-Ball Index, uh, Silver Screen and Roll. Um, he has a new newsletter that you can go check out on his Substack, throwdowns.substack.com. And thankfully, he has agreed to come on this podcast this evening, afternoon, his time to talk about a... A podcast that's going to be immediately outdated within the next 48 hours because the NBA is nearing its trade deadline. A great time of year because, you know, the NBA is crazy. We have Carl Anthony Towns posting uh, emotional, um, potentially petty Instagram videos on his uh, Instagram story. We have John Morant going at his teammates, uh, or teammate uh, singular, excuse me. Um, just uh, just all kinds of reasons that we, we love the NBA because... They are a content machine, and I'm grateful that uh, they keep churning it out for us. Alex, good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to start with the Lakers because um, the Lakers right now are rumored. It, it's interesting that they are targeting Dennis Schroeder and other guards and making calls on which guards are available around the league. Spencer Dinwiddie was another name that popped up. Um are you at all surprised that that seems to be their priority um, outside of Marcus Morris, who we'll get to in a second, but I found that to be 
fascinating that the Lakers, the way they're looking at their roster right now, what they could do prior to the deadline, where their head's at is that they need another lead ball handler. They need another playmaker. And I'm not necessarily sure that's how I would handle it. Um, I would have assumed they would be looking more at the Roco types, more of a defensive wing who can shoot um, to upgrade those KCP minutes, things like that. So you don't have to worry about um, Danny Green staying healthy, that kind of thing, it, rather than a league guard because LeBron is occupying so much time at the one um, that you would just not think that that would be their biggest priority. Um, it, do you agree with that assessment or do you, do you understand why they're doing what they're doing? Yeah, you know, I, I flip-flop each and every day. I, I think it is, uh, at this point, like a 50-50 split in terms of what they need. I, I kind of go back and forth between them improving, getting an extra lead uh, ball handler, like you mentioned, or getting like a more physical wing defender on the perimeter to, to kind of counteract guys like Kawhi and Paul George, who've given them kind of issues this year and are going to have to face them in the playoffs. So I thought I personally was a big fan of maybe pursuing Robert Covington before he got traded, but... Uh, I'm not surprised. Um, they've been reported to be looking for a lead ball handler for quite a time, like quite a while now, and they have a few guards on their roster, but none of them really kind of make you confident that they're going to be these kind of you can count on them in the playoffs. Like Rajon Rondo is kind of past his prime, like that's an understatement, but he's been getting a ton of the minutes, and that's a position they definitely want to improve. So, I mean, we've heard guys like Darren Collison maybe would be available at the buyout market when he makes a decision if he's going to return to the NBA or not. But uh, I haven't been you know, overly surprised that they're making calls. And uh, at this point, it's really their only trade asset they have is a guy like Kuzma. So uh, I, am, I am a little um, not surprised that they're, they're the ones making the calls on Kuz. But uh, at this point, that's all really they have to, to trade. Yeah, I am. Um, Kuzma was always a weird fit, and I would love to be able to interview Palenka and David Griffin to find out why Kuzma was the one that the Lakers wanted to keep um, of the big three, uh, the young guys. Obviously, Brandon Ingram had to go, but uh, at the time, I was perplexed as to why Lonzo Ball was not the one staying in Los Angeles, just because I thought he made more basketball sense um, in Los Angeles than he did in New Orleans, and also just Kuz. I, I didn't see a scenario where he, Anthony Davis, LeBron, and friends were closing games together um, in crunch time in the playoffs. I just, it was just too much of a crossover, and he didn't really fit. And keeping the six man type on this roster just didn't didn't make a lot of sense to me. And now his contract being as low as it is makes him very difficult to move. Um, and it seems like if they're going to move anybody, you're going to have if, if you're going to move Kuzma rather and get something um, significant in return you're going to have to include either Danny Green, KCP, or Avery Bradley, or maybe two of those guys, along with Kuzma, because he's only making $1.9 million this year. Um, I, I do think it's interesting what they could do there, because the name that makes the most sense, and it's it really is Marcus Morris. Like If you're looking at someone that they really could use to go at the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, it's Marcus Morris. Like I could see him playing crunch time, and if you haven't watched any Knicks games this year, which I understand why you would not do so, you've missed that he's playing like Carmelo Anthony did like in his prime, except he plays defense. Like if you watch those games, a lot of the shots that he takes at the way he just plays off the pick and roll and the way he catches the ball, like he's a catch and shoot player now. Like he is the better Morris brother. And like Marquise Morris was the better Morris twin, whatever you want to say. 
for the, like the last eight years. And then suddenly Marcus Morris figured it out and he's good and he's a good wing player. And he's just, he makes a lot of sense for the Lakers in my opinion, where like you would close with him and you would go LeBron green, Morris Davis, and then whoever that makes a lot more sense to me than just wasting um, some of these guys on another lead ball handler who won't close for you anyway. Like who are like none of those guys like Spencer Dinwiddie or, uh, Dennis Schroeder, they're not closing. Like, and I don't think they're that much of an upgrade over what Rondo or Quinn Cook or Caruso or any of those guys are doing anyway. Like, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I don't. I think that would be a mismanagement of resources for the Lakers. When in reality, what they really need to be thinking about is, do we have enough on the wing to stop the Clippers in a seven-game series? Because you haven't even beaten them this year. Like that hasn't happened. You've had multiple chances, and that's like a real thing. I don't know. I, I think it's just very strange. And I would like to get on the phone with Rob and tell him, hey, uh, stop doing that and focus on Marcus Morris. So, I mean, you bring up a good point that, you know, any trade that they do make from here on out, you know, from thir- until Thursday is a move that's going to be, you know, specifically towards the playoffs and helping them beat teams like the Clippers and more physical teams. Like the playoffs in general are physical and you need those types of guys with experience and and Kuzma isn't a guy who has experience in the playoffs. He's never played in the playoffs. He's not the, he's not young, but he's young in terms of experience in the, you know, in the NBA. And uh, it's just wild to me. I was looking up at like just general Marcus Morris, you know, stats, and he's shooting like 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 forty something percent from three this year, which blows my mind. Like that's a guy who would fit in perfectly next to AD, like you said, if the team wants to go small or kind of even big, like they can play AD at the five put Morris at four or three. He can guard multiple positions, which we all know is really important in the playoffs. Like I totally get it from that sense. I just, so I would not be in favor of trading Kuz and Danny Green for Morris, but I don't think they have to. I think those reports that came out today were a little more just kind of speculating what types of deals would have to, what types of contracts would have to go into place to make that happen. But I think the Lakers can aggregate enough money in terms of like throwing a guy like Bradley Cook, Kuz and, maybe another guy. But the only issue then is you're potentially messing up this chemistry, which as, as someone who's watched every Laker game and has followed them all year, this team is as close as I've ever seen a Laker team be like in, in recent memory. Like all these guys came in as free agents for the most part and immediately clicked. They're all they look like really good friends. They all go out together. They all train together. Like this team is really, really close. And especially with the, you know, the horrible Kobe news and all that stuff, they've kind of gone through a lot this year and they've kind of created this really tight bond. So I, I can see it from that point where they wouldn't want to trade multiple players in a, in a that, you know, maybe just stand pat and see what becomes available in the buyout market. Do you think when you, you watch every Laker game, do you think, cause I, I just think it's a foregone conclusion at this point, that the bucks are running through the East. I think there's a real chance they go 16 and 0 in the playoffs. Um, I guess 12 and 0 is it 16 or 12? What am I doing? It's 12 and 0 to get to the NBA Finals, right? Am I am I adding four games and I should? Yeah, be? six six sixteen <laughs> sixteen to win it all. Yeah, that's right. So 12. I think they go 12 and 0 uh, to, until they get in the NBA Finals. I really do believe that with the way they're going, and I think they're going to make a win now move. Um, Middleton's back. That team is just, they're loaded. George Hill shooting 50% from three. They're, they're going to be there. Do you think it's crazy, the Lakers yeah. have enough to withstand the Bucks right now? Cause the Bucks are going to shoot really well. We know that. And they're just going to defend their ass off. 
and we're going to see some AD down low on Giannis stuff that's just going to be mesmerizing. Do you think that they have enough shooting right now to withstand a seven-game series against the Bucks? Because we talked about the Clippers and what they'll need on the wing there. Do we know that they have enough to withstand the Bucks? Like, because that's the other team that they really, really have to think about right now. I as as currently constructed, I think I would say no. Like, I I, I watched it was just one game where they played against the Bucks, but just it was so glaring how much we know this Lakers team is huge. Like top to bottom like this is one of the bigger teams in the league for sure i mean they have three legit like six ten to seven foot guys who are just really athletic also and really great defenders but i think the bucks are just physically stronger in terms of guys on the wing in their backcourt like george hill's the guard but he's a strong really long guard and that gives that that's just something the lakers don't really have in terms of their backcourt like we have guys like quinn cook troy daniels rondo like these guys physically imposing wise, they're not as strong as the Bucks, And I think that presented a lot of issues with the Lakers in terms of the Lakers this year against these kind of upper echelon teams like the Clippers, where they've kind of gotten beat up. Like they've kind of got like bullied around, even though they're kind of usually bigger than the other teams. But I I think that's something why a guy like Marcus Morris, uh, his name has come up because he is a guy who is tough, like physically and mentally. And I think that would fit in really nicely with this Lakers team. So you know, as of today, like it's tough to say just because we've only seen one game sample of the Lakers versus Bucks, and in that game, Giannis just turned into Steph Curry and hit like four or five threes that game. So, I mean, if that's going to happen every game, then no one's stopping the Bucks. But I, I think at this point, I would think the Lakers are definitely have that in mind that they want to make an improvement. So, I I think the Lakers are going to make a trade. I just don't know how big or substantial it's going to be in terms of kind of putting them over the top or not. Did you like the four-team trade? It seems like it's finally done. Uh, roughly, I believe thirty-eight team or thirty-eight players rather were moved in the deal. Um, I, I appreciate the NBA getting as complicated as ever uh, with their trades. So shout out to them for doing that. Um, what did you like it? Did you like it? Was there any team among the four that you thought did the best in the deal? I mean, I don't, I don't even know who's still, like, are the players still being traded in that deal? Like, it feels like there's there's still names being thrown out, like, here and there when, in terms of that say? deal. But, you know what? <laughs> in terms of just, like, in a vacuum, like, I, uh, like, I, I, I just, the one team that stuck out to me, like, was Denver, just because I think that it, there's another move coming now in terms of what the, the picks they got and the expiring contract and stuff like that. I think they're primed to try to, get a player i'm just not sure who and like, I, I like to move for houston uh, to get covington and uh, it seemed like capella and capella russ and harden together weren't uh, in terms of their offensive rating was it great this year so i don't know if that was fluky or if that was just something they thought you know we need to make a change now so i get that i mean i like capella though i think he's on a reasonable good contract he's a good player so i i, I like it from a few different sides i just the one team who stuck out in terms of what they're doing and could be like a potential like shift in the, in the conference is Denver because I think maybe now they're primed to make a move. I just don't know for who. I don't know if that's for Drew Holiday. I don't know if that's for another name like that. But I don't know. What about you? Is there a team that stuck out to you? Well, like the Drew Holiday stuff is so weird. Where they're like they're I, maybe I'm missing something, but the Nuggets are not more likely to win the West with Drew Holiday than without him. I don't understand why we throw him in there and it's like oh now they're really cooking with gas. And I like I like Drew Holiday. But Drew Holiday does not push them over the top. What pushes them over the top is 
two years from now if Michael Porter Jr. is like one of the 20 best players in basketball. That's what puts him over the top. It's like whatever Michael Porter Jr. ends up becoming. And if he reaches a top 20 ceiling with Jamal Murray being a little baby Kyrie and Jokic still being an MVP candidate, yeah, then they might win the title. That is a potential title team. Drew Holiday does not do that. Drew Holiday makes them a a tougher out in the Western Conference semifinals or the Western Conference finals, maybe. But, like, they're not winning the title with him. So, like, taking a big swing for Drew Holiday just doesn't really make a lot of sense. So, if they're gearing up for, like, a Bradley Beal-type thing, sure. Um, Yeah, love that. That makes some sense to me. That's like, okay, yeah, they're taking a big swing. Um, But there's just not a lot of those guys out there right now. There's not a lot of those guys available. So, I just – I don't know who they're – who they're really gearing up for. Like, I just, I don't know. The Nuggets, I just think it's, nothing's going to be too groundbreaking for them right now. I could be wrong, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe McCollum, maybe it's Portland. They're calling them and that's the big one. Is oh. deal with Portland. Um, I don't know. Those are just, those are, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've said, I don't know, like 37 times in the last 30 seconds. So, uh, <laughs> I think the Hawks perspective, um, being an Atlanta guy, I'm very familiar with, what's going on there and all that kind of stuff. But like, I'm glad they did not end up trade for Drummond because it does. It did seem like that was just going to be a bad idea, especially because he could just walk and make a lot more money after this off season anyway. <laughs> but the way people are talking about him in Atlanta is a little interesting to me because I don't think he moves the needle. I think they realized they made a mistake by going into the year, not replacing Dwayne Deadman. I liked Deadman's fit in the three and the, I like the, pick and pop more than the pick and roll guy in Atlanta. And that's to say, I just think sure. miles Turner would have been the guy for me because it, this is Sabonis's team now at with Oladipo. I, I would have rather Atlanta really see what they could have to give up to get somebody like miles Turner because miles Turner is a better defender than Capella. He fits more of what I think Atlanta wants to do. He's like a better version of Dwayne Deadman and obviously a lot younger. He won't have as high of a usage rate. I love the pick and roll stuff, but they already kind of have that in John Collins. And I'm interested to see what the yeah. net rating is with John Collins and Clint Capella on the floor together. Because Clint Capella hasn't ever played with another rim running big like John Collins. Like he gobbles up a bunch of offensive rebounds. He's in the paint a lot. I don't know how the spacing's going to work there. So people are like, oh, the Hawks got their center. I'm like, they got their pick and roll center. And I don't know if necessarily this is the perfect cleanest fit. Um, it's part of the reason I didn't want Drummond. I think Deadman really soared with Atlanta last year because Atlanta was surrounding Trey with a bunch of floor spacers and nobody was inside. And then you had John Collins just crashing the boards like a madman. And he had those games where he had like 13 offensive rebounds. Like that is what works for them is John Collins being the only one inside being a madman, but also having that rim protector on the opposite side who could defend fives like Deadman could. I just, I don't love the fit. I got to say. I think he'll be good, and I think the offense will be good, but I think you'll have to stagger those two to the point where they're making a lot of money for both of them not being able... Like, I don't think you can close both of them, and that's what we're going to have to see, is how does that look? I don't think it will work, but they're going to have to try it. I just... I'm fascinated by it. No, yeah, I, that was just my first thought as well, was what happens to John Collins. I'm assuming he's, you know, I don't think there's going to be a trade, or they're going to ship him out because of this, but I, I don't think he adds the additional spacing to let Capella just roam in the paint. I know Collins, like, is, I mean, I saw him in summer league and stuff like that, and he was shooting the ball well. I'm not sure how – I haven't watched him as closely this year He's outside good. of the few times they played the Lakers. Okay. Floor, like, 
enough that they can go out, maybe go four out and just like Capella effectively no, just hold the paint. Hold, like <laughs> defense is not just that off Capella. Yeah. So that's my only concern with it. Like you mentioned, is how effective can they be playing together? And I, I you know, I actually really like the idea of like a Miles Turner, Trey Young combo. Like I, that would have been actually way more ideal in terms of just the pick and pop. And I think he's a better defender than Capella. And I just, obviously I think that's a cleaner fit, but it's, it's just seemed like Atlanta wanted to make a move just to make Trey happy at this point, just so that, you know, we're trying here, but I, I wish it was for a better fit. And because they have, so, they have interesting young guys, they have nice little prospects here and there. And obviously you have a great, you know, offensive engine in Trey and that that's like, you're good to go. Like you just need to build around this guy. But uh, I don't know, like, it, this deadline is so weird in terms of the free agency coming up and how scarce it's going to be. Like, not a lot of good names are going to be out there this summer. So a lot of teams are just, like, willing to, like, say, like, hey, I'm just going to stand pat. Like, I'm not going to spend money in the summer anyway. Like, I, I think that's why I, I'm going to be surprised if there's not, like, a huge name. Like, I don't know what the biggest name that gets traded by Thursday. Like, I don't even know who goes after Andre Drummond. Like, I thought Atlanta would be the team. But since they're out, like, I'm not sure – who's that team who, like, makes a run at Drummond now, if any team? Like, maybe the Clippers? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I like the Clippers for Drummond, actually. But um, especially with the Montrezl uh, dynamic uh, behind the scenes and what he said a couple months ago and them <laughs> likely not paying him this summer anyway, like, that would make a lot of sense to me. And they're already all-in. They have no picks until 2063. Like, you might as well just keep doing all-in <laughs> at that point. Um, the other thing, too, with the Hawks... They are uh, on track because John Collins is up for a contract extension in the next two years. Capella's oh. contract runs for the next four. He's making fourteen. Yeah. Are like John Collins is going to get a big pay raise from the Hawks. Like, are you really going to pay thirty plus million to two bigs in today's NBA? That's the plan. That's your roster construction plan. Like, I I just I think that's a very peculiar way to just kind of pivot. Uh, to make Trey happy, it's like, hey Trey, we're gonna get, we're gonna invest a lot in our bigs to show you that we're we're in it for the long haul and we're gonna turn this around. Um, I think John Collins and Clint Capella are both good. I just don't think they're gonna be great together, and I also just don't think it's a smart strategy in today's NBA to pay two bigs over thirty million dollars and to eat up a, a significant portion of your cap. I think that is just bad roster uh, money allocation. I just I don't agree with the that thinking at all and that's part of the reason the rockets got off capella is they're like no we're gonna do pj yeah, tucker yeah. and Rocco at the four and the five and we're gonna see what happens we're gonna go full small ball and let's see um there's not a lot of teams doing what atlanta's doing and doing it well boston they're going with daniel tice at the five and they're perfectly exactly. okay with that they don't care um most of the best teams in the in the nba right now are thinking that way brooke lopez in milwaukee um bam Adebayo is on a great deal in miami but you still have low rent options like you just you don't need guys like that golden state was fine with jordan bell and zaza pachulia like this is just not the way the nba is going so i just think the people who are like oh great move from atlanta i'm like it's fine i just don't think it's a great move and i do have questions i think it looks worse two years from now than it does now no for sure and i mean just even circling back to the lakers like we have to guys on minimum contracts basically in JaVale and Dwight Howard who just are exceeding that that, that money they're getting, that contract uh, number they have. And it, it just shows, like you said, what Houston did and saying, like, you know what, we can allocate this money and just resources to perimeter-type guys and wings and, and just move uh, TJ Tucker to the five. But 
Yeah, you know, I did a, you know, for Atlanta, like I think I'm not, I, I was really high on them like a year or two ago in terms of the direction they were going. And I, their GM has kind of made some questionable moves with their draft choices of late. And um, I don't know, like I, I, I would worry about Trey being unhappy there in the future. Like, like you said, I'm not sure how smart it is in modern NBA to invest this much in two guys who we're not even sure can play, but are on the floor together. Like, like you said, John Collins may not be able to effectively space the floor for Capella. So if you have to stagger these two guys, is that really the best route in terms of roster construction to go? Like, would you be, I don't know, like maybe a guy like Cummington would have been a good fit there, but I think there's not that many available guys out there who really move the needle either way for the West or the East. So at this point, I think it's just a lot of just marginal moves and stuff like that. But again, Atlanta's one of the teams I really had high hopes for because I like, I like their head coach. I kind of like what they're doing up there. I like Herder a lot. Like that's a guy I wish the Lakers drafted a few years ago. And um, I, I, I think they're doing some good stuff there. I just wish they kind of, you know, nail this roster construction a little better because I thought they were on a good route there to kind of make some noise either this year or at least, you know, next. The Wolves are the forgotten team, I think, here a little bit. And we talked a little bit about Towns being frustrated that he can't get his best friend D'Lo in, uh, in Minnesota. It seems like because the Golden State Warriors have walked away from that proposed mega trade and getting Wiggins and Golden State to become Harrison Barnes 2.0. Um, <laughs> I, uh, if I'm, I just I think it's weird. Like the Towns Russell stuff would suck. Like it'd be good offensively, but the way that Towns looks at Russell is just it's silly to me. Um, he's he's an okay player. He's fine. He's one of the fifty best basketball players in the league. That's it. Like he's not a star. He's he's a role player. He's a I don't know. Like he's a it, how would you describe him? Where like is he a? I don't even like he's not on Kemba's level. He's kind of like what Derek Rose is this year, where it's like, I think he should be the six guy, high usage guy who leads the second unit, scores a lot of points, helps out, um, helps just keep things afloat four minutes left in the first quarter, that kind of thing. But he's not a, he's not someone you give up a bunch of stuff for. He's not someone you give up an, a lottery pick for. He's not that guy. Um, and there's just so many other holes in this Minnesota roster. Like just looking at it, from afar, getting Malik Beasley is huge for them, but Josh Kogi is a good young player for them. Can't shoot. He doesn't matter. Um, Jake Lehman uh-huh. hurt. Like, Jared Culver is like, really bad. Uh, Gorgie Jang is shooting threes, which is good, so he's been really good for them, but he's still making $60 million. Not a lot of teams are going to be chomping at the bit to get him. You just absorbed Alan Crabb's contract. You have Evan Turner now. You have all these expiring, so you're going to have a lot of money to play with very soon, and you're kind of in win-now mode, but... I just the the Wiggins stuff is is tough. Like Rosas was not responsible for that, but he's making twenty seven million dollars and he's going big game hunting because they don't really have time to build through the draft because it seems like Towns is not in that space where he wants to do that. He wants to get his friends there. He wants to get Devin Booker there. He wants to get D'Angelo Russell. Like it, those are not moves that win them the title because those are it's just not enough defense and it just it's it's never worked in the NBA doing it that way. Um, I, I don't know. It's Minnesota, I just think, is in a really shitty situation right now. And I don't know how you fix it without trading Wiggins and um, Carl Anthony Towns and really starting over. But I, I, they're just not going to do that. And I don't know. I think it's just going to be dire and going to be very frustrating. And I think Towns is going to be very unhappy and pissed off for the foreseeable future because I don't see an avenue of them getting Russell anytime soon. I don't see them getting uh, Devin Booker anytime soon. And they're kind of stuck. There's just not a lot of guys that are chomping at the bit to get that Minnesota free agency money. 
Like who, when was the last time a superstar chose Minnesota? Uh, I'll answer that. Never. So what are you doing? You have to trade, you have to trade for him. They don't have any trade assets. They don't have any young players yeah. outside of towns that any team wants. That's why the the Warrior stuff didn't work. I don't know. I just think Minnesota is just in a really shitty situation. It's bleak. Like as as you broke it down right now, it's kind of like shedding a tear just thinking about their payroll, their the the contracts they have on their books and the draft picks they had recently. And yeah, I mean, outside of trading towns and just and just completely starting over, I'm not sure what direction they can go from here. Like maybe I, I you know, I, I don't know if there was a time earlier in the season when maybe they had a chance to flip Wiggins when he had a really, really good start to the year. Maybe they missed their chance there to possibly flip him when they had the chance. But I don't know. Like, I, I, I doubt anyone sees him as a positive asset at this point. I mean, I, I really can't think of any team who viewed Wiggins in that, in that sense. But, yeah, like, like you said, they have a guy like Culver who's super young. We don't know who he is. Akogi's a really solid defender but really can't shoot, like you mentioned. Um, I'm not sure what, what they do from here. Getting D'Angelo Russell isn't going to fix the problems. Like, I don't think there's a team – I don't think there's any team where – a guy like just add D'Angelo Russell and we're good. Like he's not that type of player. Like he's not the type of player who's going to put you over the top in, in any sense. It just seems like a move to, to make Towns happy in a similar way that the Hawks got Capella to try and make Trey Young happy. Like they have to think in terms of roster construction going forward. And I just don't see an avenue outside of tra- trading Towns that they can do that. Because like you said, there's not really any good assets there outside of some draft picks maybe, but... They don't, they're not even that bad that those picks are going to be all that great. So I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to trade town anytime soon, but it's the type of move that they might have to consider if they really want to, to get back on the, in the right track. Because at this point, there's going to be a, like a 11th, 12th place team for the next three or four years. I can see that easily. Man, poor Wolves fans. Like it's already one of the NBA's all time worst franchises, but it's just, it's sad, and I, I just think they're in for a very – winter is here um, in Minnesota, as it always is, and it <laughs> is uh, going to be a long one, I think. Um, are you surprised at all that the Spurs aren't in any of these conversations? They have a billion guards that I think a lot of teams should be interested in. I'm like a huge Lonnie sure. Walker guy. Love him. Um, DeRozan has had a good month. Um, Aldridge has been great for them. Uh, I mean, they have guys. Like, they're they have a bunch of interesting pieces because they can't play all these guys like i would explore the market on Derek white i would explore it on Dejounte murray like what teams want Dejounte murray and think they can fix him and make him shake gildas alexander 2.0 like the spurs i would consider I, i'm just surprised they're not more actively involved in trade talks right now because they have a lot of guys they're not doing anything this year they're probably not even gonna make the playoffs and in that streak like why are they not more involved? I, I am just very perplexed by that, that they're not popping up more. Because they're the Spurs. Like, I, I mean, this is like a thing with them. Like, are we, and, and as you mentioned, like, why are they not involved? Are they not involved in buying or selling? Like, I have no idea how they view themselves as a franchise at this point. Like, dude, I, I think they're going for the playoffs. I don't think they're in rebuild mode. Like, as much as, like, maybe fans wish that franchise to be at this point, like, I think they're close enough to, to talk themselves into it they're going to make a run here. And I don't, I mean, they could be buyers for all we know, but a guy like Derek white, I really do think like that was a guy that they should probably have gauged the market to see what they could have got for him. Like I, I kind of considered maybe like a Derek white for Kyle Kuzma swap earlier in the year, just to see like 
Ooh. a change of scenery for both and see and see what that would be like. Because the Lakers need another lead guy and a really good kind of perimeter defender. And I can't, Derek White is that. And then the Spurs just need someone that's not a guard and that's young, you know, youngish. I bet Kuzma and Greg Popovich just kind of raved about Kuzma during Team USA. And Kuzma actually played really, really well under Popovich during that, that stint. So I thought maybe he could have unlocked things that in Kuz that we haven't seen in LA. Like sometimes when guys leave LA, they just, they get better in different systems. And Kuzma is a really good candidate at that. I think that's why, although he's not, you know, has it showed a ton this year, I think teams got to be looking at him and saying like, he's still super cheap. Maybe getting him in our system will change, you know, his habits and, and get him to this type of potential we think. And so I thought that would have been a swap that I would have liked to see or like to at least get them in, in that type of, in that type of mindset, that type of deal. But with the Spurs, I just don't know what they, what they think of themselves at this point. I think that's really hard. If you don't know which direction you're going, it looks like they're trying to do two things at once, rebuilding and going for the playoffs, and that just never works. you got to pick one route and stick with it. Yeah, I agree, and I think they should be more active. R.C. Buford, wake up. It's time to do stuff. I mean, like, what are they doing with DeRozan? Like, I, are they just going to resign him? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, what? I would understand resigning I, I, I all got I mean, like, the Aldridge thing, like, he started shooting threes, and they started playing a lot better, and, like, he finally embraced that part, like, hey, you know what, I, I'm just going to step back a few feet, and that'll let DeRozan and DeJounte and other guards get some more space going to the rim, because I'm not clogging it in the post, shooting, like, 12-footers, but I'm not sure, like, again, like, they have a guy like DeRozan who just soaks up a lot of the ball time from other guys like DeJounte and Derek White, and then you have Aldridge also, Again, like I, I, I would prefer them just to kind of start rebuilding, but I don't think they're ever going to be in full rebuild mode. Like I don't think that's in the Spurs' DNA. They want to be on this playoff streak forever. But they're not going to. I really don't think they're making the playoffs. I, I don't. Whew, I don't know. None of this makes sense to me. Who do you see? Like, who, who do you think is DH seed by uh, the, the end of the year? Oh, okay. Their schedule is so easy. Getting a like Zion, if he's healthy the rest yeah. of the way, I think he is. Um, I think the Pelicans are going to actually sneak in. They have the right mixture of veterans, young guys. They're you got to keep that streak alive for JJ. He he told the young guys like you better not fuck this up for me. Like, he's got to keep that playoff streak alive for himself. Yeah. So it's not just uh, San Antonio that's fighting for that. Um, you can cross off the Kings. You can cross off um, the Suns. Um, I, I think the Grizzlies are fun, but they're just too young for me. I, I don't think it's gonna it's gonna work. I think they're gonna just miss the playoffs. Um and then it's like the Blazers are the only team that makes sense to me that might be able to they just they're just having the season from hell where they're just too injured, I think, with Collins, Nurkic and everybody else. I just I don't think this is the year for them, um, unfortunately, because they're wasting just an all time Dame Lillard year, which oh, man. which sucks. But yeah, I don't know. He's been amazing. He's been amazing. Yeah. Um, well, do you have any other NBA trade deadline thoughts before uh, we wrap up here? I just hope I, I really want to see like one like big name being moved. I don't know who that is. I just want to see one big name being moved. I'm not sure who that is. Like we haven't heard Gary much Harris. with the Kevin Love stuff. I think. That, yeah, but see, but again, like <laughs> as we're going back to that, who did who do they trade them for though? Like Drew, I guess Drew is the only like logical, unless they go after like a guy like Kevin Love. But again, I don't really. That doesn't do much for you. 
So I wonder if they if they do maybe maybe call Portland and ask about CJ McCollum. Like that that's interesting. You know who I think is the most fun that won't happen, but I think might happen this summer is Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is my favorite idea here. To who? Like to Denver? I mean, anywhere. Ben Simmons, if he's on most oh. teams in the NBA right now, I think he's like a top 10 player, and it's not even a question. I think just because of the situation that he's in with Embiid and the way that roster is set up, that we don't view him the same way we view just freak superstars who literally do everything needed outside of shooting threes to impact the basketball game. Um, I think he'd be appreciated 10 times more anywhere else. And I would love to see him get moved. I think Elton Brand is not picking Ben Simmons over Joel Embiid. That shit is not happening. That is the reason that he signed Al Horford <laughs> this offseason. He is picking. Yeah. There was like a really good piece on like how front office guys like Vlade Divac has always been impartial to bigs. That's why he loves Harry Giles and went Marvin Bagley number two. Like they played that position. They value it more. Like I just I don't see a scenario where Elton Brand picks Ben Simmons over Joel Embiid. Like Joel Embiid's the one who's staying in Philadelphia forever. So Ben Simmons, if he's in the block this summer, like just there are so many teams that I would love to see him on and so many teams that make sense because Ben Simmons is just, I think he's just right there to be a top five NBA player. I'm still a huge, huge Ben Simmons guy. So I loved watching him in the last month without Joel Embiid. And it's not because I don't love Joel Embiid. I love them both. I just want them on different teams. And I think he's the best wild card that I would love to see him pop up and see which teams really get after somebody like him. Cause He's a needle mover. Like he's one of the guys where if like a contender makes are are just close and they're like, you know what? We need somebody. Ben Simmons is the one. Like Ben Simmons is the guy. Like if you're Toronto, you're like, do we put OG Ananobi and friends on the table for Ben Simmons and run with Pascal and oh. Ben Simmons for the next? Like there oh are my teams <laughs> that make sense that make them get to, to the next level. Miami, do you go, what can we do? Tyler Hero, um, everybody but Bam and Jimmy Butler. Who do you want? We'll give you everybody else for Ben Simmons. Like, can you imagine Ben Simmons <laughs> and Jimmy Butler? And they would have won the title last year with Bam Adebayo and Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler on that Sixers team. Like, if that ball does not go in with Kawhi, that bounce, and the Sixers win that series, they win the championship last year. Like, there are just so many different places that I would love to see Ben Simmons on um, that I'm, I'm just here for. And I think he's ultimately the one move between the two. I just, I hope it happens sooner rather than later. I mean, it seems like it's going to happen eventually, right? Like, I don't think that Embiid-Simmons pairing is kind of destined to be forever. Like, if they lose again this, this year and even next, like, I think that's something they really are really are going to have to consider and really kind of start engaging teams with. And, like, you bring up a good point. Like, it seems like by all indications, Embiid's the guy they want to keep around. So, I, I almost feel like Simmons almost knows it. Like, I, I think he... Like, that's, that's eventually going to kind of cause a little rift in their relationship if one of them knows, like, hey, one of us might be traded eventually. Like, I'm not going to play my hardest near, like, with you if I'm going to be the one getting shipped out. And, again, like, I, I agree. Like, I love Simmons. I think he's an amazing defender. Like, we all know how good of a passer he is, but I think he's just an awesome, awesome defender. And he can really – you can he's one of the few guys you could build a team around and in his identity and his style of play. So I can see a lot of teams saying, like, this is the guy we got to go trade for. I mean, I, I, oh my God, just imagining him with Siakam would be amazing. Like a combination of those two guys in terms of their height and their athleticism and their skills, like that's amazing. And that's something I'm sure that they would love to do. But 
that those are the types of moves I, I wish happened this, by Thursday. But unfortunately, we're probably going to get like a John Henson trade or something. Oh, God. John Henson. But shout out to him for getting those checks. <laughs> That's the Cleveland? highlight of Thursday. I want to say he's in Cleveland right now. He's in Cleveland. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Hmm. That could be a fun trivia game. Where is John Collins right now? I mean, John Collins. Uh, John Henson. Same thing. Whatever. Who cares? The podcast is over. Um, Alex, I appreciate the time. Um, great debut. Um, from the car. Who knows? Are you on the 405? That's all I know about LA. I feel me in LA, but I'm not uh, an expert on um, anything other than that. I, I was on the 405. Okay. <laughs> so, and then I was on the 118, and then I'm parked outside of a subway. Okay. Where I'm at right now. There you go. So uh, very, very, very LA. Nothing says LA more than like a Subway sandwich. Um, Alex, what can we <laughs> read from you this week or listen to you? Any what? Anything like that? Um. So yeah, like you mentioned earlier, I did. I did start a new uh, a new newsletter, and it's called Throwdowns. And um, if the Lakers do make a move, I probably will write about it, and I'll be the first post. So you guys will be on the ground floor. If you subscribe, it's free. You don't got to do anything. Just, you know, shoot me your email. And I have all the stuff on my Twitter. So if you're down, if you like Lakers basketball, I'm going to do a lot of uh, pro wrestling also. I've been wanting to write about wrestling. So that's something that just kind of gave me an opportunity to do that. Awesome. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in any of those things, I, you know, I think you guys would enjoy this uh, newsletter when it comes out. All right. Well, go check them out. Alex, keep up the great work. And we will have to check back in soon. All right, man. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, buddy. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash chase Thomas writer, um, for as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas. You could go to chase Thomas podcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need. Um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.